Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. Verse 1 of chapter 11. They came near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives. And he sent out two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go over in the village against you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied in which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way, found a colt tied by the door outside of the street, and they loosed it. And some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing, loosening that colt? So they said to him, just as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments on it, and Jesus sat on it. And many spread their garments on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And those who went before, those who cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is what we commonly know as Palm Sunday. I look at this as a very important part of our Christian understanding. Because Jesus here, first of all, prophesies and says, Listen, go over to the town opposite us, and there you're going to find a donkey tied. Loose him and bring it to me. And if anybody says, what are you doing? You say, the Lord has need of it. Oh, okay, all right, then take it. (laughs) And so they did and found it just as Jesus had said. Friends, this is what I wanted to point out to you this morning. It's just as Jesus has said. But you say, but Mike, I don't see that. I've served God a long time and, and there's just a lot of things that are lacking in my life and In fact, as the time goes along, some of those things that are lacking in my life become more and more sharp and more and more painful in my life. Friends, I know how that is. But God has a way, and it will be just as Jesus said. You see, the Bible says He's purposed for you things good, not evil. And Jesus said, Henceforth I'll no longer call you servants, I'm going to call you friends. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. God's purpose and good pleasure is for you to be blessed. Now you say, well, Mike, I don't understand that. What about people in the Bible that were thrown into jail because of Christ? They were blessed. Do you know why? It proved what they were. I think there's going to be a lot of things in the days to come where oftentimes friends, relatives will make fun of us because of what we are. They'll say, oh yes, I remember him. Yeah, he used to be the life of the party. Now he got this religious thing going and oh, he's just a pain to be around. A lot of times, that's okay. You say, well, Mike, how is that good to be rejected? Hey, listen, it shows and proves what you are. The Bible says the sufferings that we have for Christ in this life are not to be compared with what will be revealed in us in glory. Now you think about it for a minute. We're all going through something. That's why I thank God for Sunday morning. We get together, bless one another, hold one another up. 
go over in the donut line and, you know, maybe you're not into donuts. But there's something over there. I mean, just the fellowship alone. That's why we do that. Do you know it's really not my purpose to see if I can get you all full of cholesterol and fat? It's an idea saying, hey, listen, maybe if there's donuts, people like to eat. Hey, hang around afterwards. Meet some people you're going to spend eternity with. That's kind of a neat idea, don't you think? Because a fellowship, friends, is such an important part of our Christian experience. What a tragedy to just go to church and when church is over, you'll out to the car. We're gone for the next week. You know, it's, it's nice to meet people that you're going to spend eternity with. And you know what? By having Christian friends, you're going to have people that are going to pray for you and lift you up and bless you. And you know what you're going to find? It's just as Jesus said. Just as He said. And as you bring people to Christ, you know, it's going to wear you out. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I've been around some of the people in our fellowship here that serve God, and, and it does wear you out sometimes. You kind of get gived out. But then we go to the giver of life who restores us and blesses us and recharges our batteries. And, and we, we begin to once again think, get things back into perspective again. And, and then all of a sudden God then shows us that uh, He's not forgotten us. But we oftentimes have a concept of, well, you know, God, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, I'm going to pray like this. Not Jesus saying, when you pray, pray like this. It's when I pray, I'm going to pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, how did you know my name? God knows you. God knows all about you. God knows what you need before you ask. But when we ask Him, and He does what we ask Him to do, we see the power of God in our life. And by the way, that's, again, when we get back to thanking Him. It isn't that God doesn't know what we need. I think a lot of times we God asks us, do you know what you need? And again, I'm pretty convinced we don't. We all have things we don't need. They say one of the biggest shopping days is the day after Christmas. Not just because everyone is going out looking for great deals for next Christmas. It's the, it's the day everybody brings back what they didn't need. Now, now uh, the reason why you didn't need it is because there was no need. A lot of people don't need Christ because they don't realize their need. Again, leading people to Christ. You'll find it just as Jesus said it was. Artaxerxes gave a command in 445 B.C. to Nehemiah to go and restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been laid waste. God told not only David, Solomon, and the others that if you walk in my ways, Israel, seek my name, I will establish you forever. But if you turn from me, enemies will come in and destroy you and carry you away captive. Well, this happened to the ten tribes of Israel to the north. Actually, Israel had a civil war over taxes, interestingly enough. Right after Solomon, ten tribes to the north became the nation of Israel. Two tribes to the the south became um, uh, Judah, Benjamin. And Israel never really had one good king, looking at uh, the reign of uh, Jeroboam to the north and how his pagan practices, setting up golden calf worship in Bethel and Dan, worried about people of Israel coming back down to Jerusalem, which was in Judah, trying to once again get that warm, fuzzy feeling and reuniting as a country. He didn't want that. So he set up two places of worship in Bethel and Dan and said, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt and set up two golden calves, one in each place. Well, God saw it, 
Just as the prophecy of God was that if they departed from the ways of the Lord, God would bring in a foreign nation. And the Assyrian Empire came in and crushed the the, uh, ten tribes of the north and dispersed Israel throughout the other countries. That was part of their relocation program when they would overtake a nation is they they would disorient people by relocating them someplace else. And then they moved a bunch of other people into the area. Thus you had an intermingling of some of the people that stayed behind and some of the new people. And thus they were considered half-breeds. Thus the name Samaritan came. And this is why we remember Jesus, the woman at the well. Jesus is saying, would you give me a drink? And she says, how is it me being a Samaritan, you ask me for a drink of water? Because we have no dealings with one another. Because they were considered half-breeds. They had mixed with Gentiles and all. And so the ten tribes of the north were, were uh, in, this, in this world. To the, to the south, however, Hezekiah was a good king. And he called upon the Lord and God delivered them from the Assyrians. And, and, uh, but it was a few years later that they had fallen away from the Lord and gotten carried off into Babylon. You know, the Bible tells us that, um, that the people of Israel that were in Babylon were heartbroken. Gotten carried off into Babylon. In fact, we find that they came in one time, Nehemiah, the king says, how come you look so sad? And he said, well, how can I be cheery when the land of my fathers, where I was raised, lays in waste, lays in ruins? And so Artaxerxes, I believe, at a divine movement of God, put on his heart and said, go and restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And that was in 445 B.C. Daniel tells us, that there were 77 year periods determined upon the nation of Israel. Um, 69th year, Messiah would be cut off. But if you multiply 69 seven year periods of time predicated on a 360 day Babylonian year, Jesus made his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem exactly on the day predicted. When he came in, what we're reading about here, when on that Palm Sunday, Jesus came down the Mount of Olives. And he came into the city of Jerusalem, 3280, exactly when the Bible says that their Messiah would come. Jesus, in fact, one of the other Gospels says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you. But it's hid from your eyes. There was no reason to have it hid from their eyes. The Bible said the exact day their Messiah would arrive. But it was hid from their eyes. So the people, notice, cut down the trees. They welcomed Jesus into their city. A few knew who it was. This is where the Pharisees said, You command these people to shut up right now, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If these people were to be quiet, the very stones would cry out. And so, I think a really neat souvenir to get when you're in Israel. You know, they got these little souvenir stores everywhere. Selling stuff. You know, a genuine piece of olive wood. I thought what was the neat thing is I picked up some of those stones on the, on the descent from the Mount of Olives. I thought, this might be one of the singing stones. And they're free. And they said, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means save now, save now. They were sick of the Roman government. They were sick of, sick of the taxes. And they were longing for somebody to bring him back to the days of David the king. When they were respected among the nations and they were not under some vassal king like Rome or some other, some other tetrarch that was there. And so they were saying, save now, save now. And it's noteworthy, friends, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, 
the first place that he went. And where was that? Let's look at this. Jesus went into into Jerusalem and went and set himself up a throne. No, it doesn't say that. You know where he went? Look at this. Jesus went into Jerusalem. Now, he came in, friends, according to Artaxerxes. When he gave that 445 B.C. decree, 69 seven-year periods of time, predicated again on a 360-day year, Jesus came in, 32 A.D., as their king. This is Jesus' triumphant entry into the city. He came in as their king. Do you know what's interesting? The very first place he went was to the temple. Do you know why? I believe it's because he realized that the problem with the nation of Israel was a spiritual problem. It wasn't a governmental issue. It was a spiritual sickness. And until that's fixed, everything else won't be fixed. Friends, you can look at that in our own nation today. Or if you want to get real personal... You can look at yourself. It isn't till you're right with God that everything else straightens out. That issue with God is still the preeminent one, whether it's a nation or whether it's you yourself. That that relationship with God has to be first and foremost. If that's messed up, I guarantee you everything else ain't going to be right. You see, we were designed by God to be communed with. You know, the Bible says that God would commune with Adam in the garden. But when sin came in, that was broken. That fellowship was gone. And you know what I believe? I think we need exterior guidance system. I think we need God's voice saying, Hey, listen, you need to watch out. We are reliant upon God. We are creatures of need. Friends, that's okay. Well, I try to be self-sufficient. Well, let me tell you something. You're not. You were designed by God to react with Him. And if you don't react with God, you're going to find areas of your life that are, uh, that are uh, um, out of whack because God desires to bring that balance back into your life again. God simply just wants to reach out to you in love today. He's in your heart saying, save now, save now, friends. God, I need redemption. The Bible says that He will. Notice verse 10. It says, Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. And that he comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. You know, they were longing for those days of David again. But Jesus went into the temple. Because it was late, he was going to come back the next day. We remember that when he did come back, we remember that he cleared the money changers out of the temple. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. Friends, I just want to invite you this morning to... Consider your relationship with God. We have a lost world, a lot of blind people. God looks for people that will bring them to Jesus. Not like the crowds that say, shut up and stay away from God. But that you would be those people that bring people to Christ. And there God will minister to them and bless them and heal them. Because the very first place that God will deal with a person is in their heart. And that's where we need to be dealt with. Do you realize what inside of your heart, all the things that go on inside of you? Do you realize from your heart is where you love? And where you do love? Do you realize it's the memories and the broken feelings and the broken pain of the past and all those things, all we carry around? And you can have a body that is perfect. You can be muscular. 
You can have all the things, attributes outside, and yet you'll find people that are like that commit suicide. And why is that? They have a sick heart. See, the heart is what God is after. Because He knows that that center, that temple inside of you, is what needs to be touched by His love. You say, Mike, I I can't bring people to, to Jesus because I'm not with Jesus. I would invite you today to come home to the Lord. Just let Him bless you and heal you and restore you. You know, the Bible says if He'll ask, He'll forgive you. You think, but Mike, that's too easy. I mean, don't I got to earn it? Don't I got to do penance or some kind of thing like that? You know, show God I'm really serious. I mean, don't you have some broken glass I can crawl around on my knees on around here to really show I'm serious? You know, God will take you at your word. And then God will help you with your word to do what you've said you'll do. In other words, God's a, you know, God's a kind of a handshake kind of God. Okay, Lord, I want to get serious with you. Okay, shake on it. Good. And oftentimes I'll find that handshake is what God uses to pull me out of the fire. Letting God heal you. Letting God bless you. Putting yourself in a place where God will. This morning, if you've never received Christ, if you're distant from the Lord, you you say, well, I need to repent. I need to change my life. I don't know how. Some great news for you from God's Word. He'll show you how. You you see, He wants to, to... identify you. Your identity in Christ Jesus is not from the world. See, the world says, well, if you do this, drive this, get this diploma, you know, dress with these kind of clothes, whatever, you will be something. And God says you're never defined by outside extremities. You're defined by God in your soul. And if that is sick, friends, you will try masking it every way possible. And that's what the Bible says we repent from. Now, repentance, again, just simply means turning around, walking the other direction. Saying, I'm on the wrong road. I'm done with this road. I'm going to walk God's way. God, from now on, you define my life. Now, what broke the fellowship with God and man initially was sin. And friends, that's what keeps God from visiting with us today is sin. Because sin simply, is in a short statement, is this. The Bible says the root of all sin is pride. And that's where God's saying, I want to talk to you. And we're going... I have my own way. I have my own way. That's what we repent from. That's what repentance is. We go, okay, God, pull my fingers out of my ears. Okay, what do you want to tell me? You're on the wrong road. I know that. (laughs) Do you know one thing about people that are not right with God? Well, no, something I found. I've, I've witnessed. They know it. Amen? You know you're on the wrong road. You know there's something wrong. You may not know what the answer is, but you know you're on the wrong road. And God reaches out in His love and says, Listen, I want to fix you. I love you so much, I'm going to repair your heart. Now, it may not be exactly the way you think it's going to be, but I guarantee you, in eternity, in the long run, you are going to be blessed. Hmm. You you mean my life will actually mean something in eternity rather than just occupying space? (laughs) Yep. That's what it means. So letting God be God. Letting God heal you, restore you, bless you. That's what the Bible says He'll do. But He waits. He waits until we open the door. Now whether we look in Revelation again at the churches, there was a church there doing all kinds of religious stuff. They left Jesus on the outside. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now that's a bad thing. Here you got your heart. Jesus is on the outside knocking to get in. I love that. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He just waits for you to open the door. 
That's a willful act of your own decisions. Okay, God, come in. Now, he doesn't force his way. Behold, I stand at the door and kick it off its hinges. Say, knock, waiting for you to respond. You know, by the way, ladies, that's what a real gentleman is. He's an initiator and waits for you to respond. He's not forceful, pushy, shovey, intimidating. He just knocks and waits for you to respond. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time.